live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and happy Friday to you and yours. This, uh, you're not superstitious, are you? Friday the 13th? Well, it's May 13th, the year 2022. It's great to be with you. We were off yesterday because of the Astros. Astros were winners, but we are back today to take you into the weekend with baseball, basketball, football. Oh, my. We have got it all for you. The Saints schedule is out. LSU baseball will take on Ole Miss today. The Raging Cajuns are taking on Texas State. Uh, The Raging Cajuns softball team has won 12 in a row. They're in the conference championship uh, of the Sun Belt Tournament. Um, Miami closes out the Philadelphia 76ers 99-90. to 90. Boy, there's a lot of talk about one James Harden. A lot of people skeptical about Harden and the way he plays and what he does. Nine shots. That's it. Only two shots in the second half. Finishes with 11 points. Um Doc Rivers, the coach, is going to be the fall guy for this. I guarantee you he's going to be fired. Um, And the Miami Heat just mentally tougher than the Philadelphia 76ers. And Jimmy Butler did it again to his old team with 32 points, eight rebounds, four assists, a steal, two blocks in 43 minutes. Now, Miami Heat close out the series um, with the win. And uh, Philadelphia goes home. James Harden, I'm telling you, there's there's three players in the league that I don't care what they offer. I don't want them on my team. I don't want James Harden. I don't want Kyrie Irving. And I don't want Ben Simmons. They can go wherever they want to go. Send them into a, a, a to a team within my division, and I guarantee you I'll beat them because they're soft. They don't love the game of basketball. They come up with excuses, and they are cancerous in a locker room. So good riddance, James Harden. Oh, my God. Um, The Phoenix Suns have got themselves in a conundrum. I know they're coming back home for Game 7. Dallas with a 113-86 blowout win uh, yesterday, aided by a 32 to 20 second quarter, um, they got a problem. They they haven't figured out what to do with Luka Doncic yet. And Luka, um, in that rarefied air, you, you know, Prince, Bono, Magic, Kobe, Shaq, Luka. Everybody just knows him by his first name. That's all you have to know. 33 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, four steals, only one turnover in 35 minutes. Um, Dallas 
really looking good. Luca, a, a superstar in the league. He just he's just absolutely amazing and virtually unstoppable. Um so 113-86, Mavericks get the win. That series tied at three games apiece. Um tonight, more hoops, more hoops, more hoops. Um, Milwaukee will try to close out the Boston Celtics. They're up three games to two that game in Milwaukee and Golden State will try to close out Memphis in San Francisco with the Warriors up three games to two. How bad is Kyrie Irving, by the way? Uh, Sources say that Nike is unlikely to extend the Kyrie shoe deal. Good riddance. Good riddance. Um, Our guest list today, Bill Frankes, will join us here in about uh, seven, eight minutes or so. We'll preview LSU versus uh, Ole Miss. Tigers have been on a roll of late. Um, we'll go over their postseason possibilities and the whatnot. Uh, Koki Riley will join us today as well. LSU basketball got some great news. Uh, Adam Miller, uh, the transfer from the Fighting Illini, who didn't play a lick for LSU because of uh, an injury, uh, took his name out of the transfer portal today. He's going to stay at LSU for Coach Matt McMahon. There's one of your starters in the backcourt. Lock, stock, and barrel. Larry Holder of The Athletic will kick us off in hour number two. We'll talk about the Saints and their schedule. You know, when you when you start talking about schedules in May, it's really kind of dicey. Um, who in their right mind expected the Cincinnati Bengals to do what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year and go all the way to the Super Bowl? I guarantee you fans looked at the schedule and went, win, win. Uh, Cincinnati, oh, that's a win. Right. So you really, really don't know. But according to the 2022 schedule uh, on paper, it looks like one of the tougher ones in the league. The 2022 opponents for the Saints compiled a 53 percent winning percentage last season, tied with the Las Vegas Raiders schedule for the seventh best in the NFL. Seven of the Saints opponents made the playoffs last season, including the two teams that played in the Super Bowl the Rams, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so you take this schedule, you, you couple that with the retirement of Sean Payton, and um, I guess that's the reason why the Saints are viewed as no better than a 500 team by the Vegas odd makers. We, we shall see. Um, Saints need to get out of the gate in a hurry um, because... They play just one playoff team in their first five games, and that one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is in Caesars Superdome for the home opener. The biggest, toughest stretch is week six through 13. Um, features eight games in 50 days. Seven of the eight opponents were 2021 playoff teams. The exception is the team that's always good, except they weren't last year for whatever reason, the Baltimore Ravens who the Saints will play on Monday night football. Um, that's the kind of stretch that's going to define the Saints season for sure, for sure. Week two, the home opener versus the Tampa Bay. Start off with the Atlanta Falcons on the road. Then you get your home opener week two against the Bucks, And, of course, the rivalry that is Tom Brady versus C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans, Jameis Winston versus his old team, all the storylines that you want. The Saints aim for their 
eighth win in the past nine meetings with the Bucks. Of course, the best home game <clears throat> will be week six versus the Bengals. The first time Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will have played in the Superdome since winning the 2019 national title for, for LSU in the building. Um, there'll be a, well, that's, that's going to be a tough, tough ticket to get for sure, for sure. Um, so there's a lot to talk about in this thing and we will, uh, look, I, Ooh, you know, you don't want to be playing, um, up in the Northeast late in the season. Well, week 16, the saints are at Cleveland week 17. The saints are at Philadelphia. Now, these are never easy trips. They've got great fan bases. It's loud. It's tough. But late December, early January, the average temps are in the low 30s. That's, that is not good. That is not good at all. So uh, we'll go over this uh, ad nauseum uh, with uh, Larry Holder. And then um, George Faust will join us. We'll talk all about the Ragin' Cajuns. Uh, again, baseball, uh, they have won four in a row. Uh, with back-to-back wins over Rice in Houston uh, on two, Tuesday and Wednesday, seven to three on Tuesday, sixteen to six in eight innings on Wednesday, and now they take on league-leading Texas State. First pitch in San Marcos is six o'clock tonight. So we've got that to discuss, and the uh, the Raging Cajun softball team is on a proverbial roll. They have won twelve straight games. Right, they're forty-four and eleven overall. That's an eight hundred percent winning clip. Twenty-three and four in league play, and they will uh, await to see who they play in the Sun Belt Conference Championship game on Saturday at two thirty. They have breezed through this Sun Belt Conference tournament with a four-to-two win over Coastal Carolina on Wednesday, a nine-to-one five-inning affair over Troy. Uh, on Thursday and a one zip eight inning win over Texas state yesterday. So the Cajuns are in great shape and we'll see what the possibilities of them uh, are for the NCAA tournament. They'll be in it. Just a question of where do they have, they done enough to host. We'll talk with George Faust about that. George Becknell, James mesh and I will, uh, will banter about, we'll have our way, way too early saints, picks for their season and uh that, that ought to be ought to be a lot of fun bet mgm has got the saints win total at eight and a half uh they've got the buccaneers at the top with the buffalo bills both at 11 and a half the cowboys broncos packers chiefs chargers and rams are at 10 and a half cardinals ravens bengals colts 49ers titans are at nine and a half the Raiders, Dolphins, Vikings, Patriots, Saints, Eagles, eight and a half. Bringing up the bottom, huh, the Falcons and the Texans. Couldn't happen to two better teams, both at four and a half. So um, we shall see. All right. We are uh, brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. If you're sluggish, if you're not sleeping well, if you're trying to lose weight and you just can't do it, well, you're your testosterone levels might be low. So hormone replacement therapy is an option for you. And um, boy, does it work. It, 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 I'm on the treatment. And because I don't talk about anything that I don't believe in. 
So I'm taking it, man, I, I've got energy all day. I sleep like a baby and I'm up and at it again, bright and early in the morning. So we'll talk, tell you all about hormone replacement therapy, how simple, how easy, and how effective it is at the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, right there on Ambassador Caffrey Parkway in Lafayette off of Blue Bonnet Boulevard in Baton Rouge. It's Friday. We're ready to roll. When we come back, we'll preview LSU Ole Miss with Bill Frankens here on the Jordy Helford Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, another Friday has come. It means it's time for another LSU baseball series tonight. The Tigers and the Ole Miss Rebels will um, first pitch 7.30 tonight. So a little bit later for national television, ESPN2. Of course, the ball game will be broadcast live here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And uh, the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Burtman Field, our good friend Bill Frank is kind enough to join us. Hey, Bill, what's happening, buddy? How you doing? Hey, Jordy. Uh, yeah, big weekend here and uh, at the box. Hard to believe it. we're down to the second to last regular season weekend. Man, uh, man. Facing Ole Miss. Uh, a lot on the line for, for both clubs, really. Everybody in the SEC kind of playing for positioning as we're getting close to the postseason. All right, so LSU is number 16 in the official NCAA RPI ranking entering this Ole Miss series. So aren't there 16 NCAA regional host sites? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> so, so I guess you could say so we're on the cusp of, of hosting. Yeah, therefore the significance, correct, of this series. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, you know, Coach Johnson has said uh, unequivocally that obviously he wants to have a regional at Alec Box Stadium. It's been uh, three years since LSU's host a regional. Uh, Tigers have played well at home this year. Our record is 25-6 and six, uh, in home games at the Box. So he feels like it would definitely be to our advantage to, to play at home. And in order to do that, you have to more or less finish in the top 16 of the NCAA RPI, and LSU right now is right at number 16, and we can certainly boost our resume these next two weeks. Is playing a team like Ole Miss, who's been uh, kind of a disappointment, does that help your RPI? Uh, Or, I mean, even if you win three games, how does that work? Because uh, strength of schedule is part of the RPI, and Ole Miss isn't isn't up there amongst the elite. Yeah, you're right, Jordy. It may not make may not give us the boost that we would normally hope for from playing Ole Miss. Uh, you, you also get a little more boost from winning road games. Of course, we'll, we'll be at home this weekend. So, yeah, Ole Miss at number 48 with an RP, and, and there are perhaps not the, the boost that, that we would need. Of course, now we'll get a big opportunity next weekend. Right, uh, we'll be at Vanderbilt playing Vanderbilt, right. which I believe is number four right now in the official RPI, okay. and we'll, we'll be playing them in Nashville. So. Uh, if the Tigers can take care of business this weekend, then there's a real opportunity to to yeah. solidify 
uh, that top 16 uh, next weekend as well. As I like to say, um, it may not help you a lot, but boy, it can hurt right. you a lot if you yes. don't take care of your yeah. business. So, so that's yeah. the key. Um, of course, we have the the Bianco story. It's be probably the last time father versus son. And come on, get, can't you yeah. talk Jay Johnson, Co- Coach Jay, into letting Bianco pitch at some point in time during this season, even if it's well, like I, in the night in the eighth inning and you're up by ten runs. Throw him out there for one yeah. pitch so he can say, I played every position. Jordy, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, back in 1990, uh, LSU had a player by the name of Keith Osick. I do. And, uh, you know, Skip was, the, of course, the master of marketing promotions, Coach Burtman. He came up with the idea to have an Ironman night. And yep. Keith Osick played every position in the field, including pitcher, in one game. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And we actually lost the game. We lost the game to UL Monroe. But, uh, yeah, so Drew's one position away from, from being an Ironman himself over the course of his career. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Hey, what's the status of uh, Jacob Berry for this weekend? I'd say there's a chance he could perhaps play pinch hit, maybe pinch hit tonight. Maybe okay. DH tomorrow. Apparently, it's it's easier because of the, the injuries to his right hand. Apparently, he feels less pain batting right-handed than he does left-handed. Okay. So tomorrow, Ole Miss is throwing a lefty to start the game. So I'm thinking there's a possibility that Jacob could bat right-handed as the DH tomorrow. And then tonight, maybe, if Ole Miss uses a lefty out of their bullpen, maybe we'd see him as a pinch hitter. But uh, Jay seems to think that he's going to be fine. He said he will be back this season. Uh, how soon is really up to Jacob as far as how much pain he can tolerate. He's got a hairline fracture uh, in mm. the middle finger of his right hand, and that's what he's dealing with right now. It happened during pregame warm-ups uh, last Friday before game one of the Alabama series. He played through it on Friday night, but then the pain was just too much for him to play on Saturday and Sunday. And, of course, he missed uh, Tuesday's midweek game as well. But, man, yeah, the Tigers sure need him back in the lineup as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, Bill Frank is with us. LSU, 730 tonight against the uh, Ole Miss Rebels. They'll come back on Saturday at 2 p.m. Sunday, the series finale at 1 p.m. It's the last regular season home series for LSU. As you mentioned, uh, they go to Vanderbilt, then they go to Hoover for the SEC tournament, and then hopefully LSU will be back at the box with uh, 10,326 yep. screaming fans for for a regional possibility. So we'll go from that. Um, Ole Miss has been a disappointment. There's been a lot of rumbling about Mike Bianco now in his 22nd season, I believe. Yeah, uh, As years. the head coach at Ole Miss. Um, but uh, just, <laughs> just by the luck of um, the, the Rebels, they've won four straight. They swept Missouri, and they had a nice win over Southern Miss, who's a top-20 opponent. So they seem to be coming into form at the worst possible time for LSU. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, kind of over the over the last few weekends, uh, we, when Jay and I talk about some of the results of games, and Ole Miss was struggling a little bit, he said, I'm not, I'm not buying this Ole Miss. This Ole Miss is not any good deal. He said, I know how good Ole Miss is. Yeah. Uh, of course, Jay, as the head coach at Arizona, faced Ole Miss last year in the Super Regionals in Tucson, and Arizona uh-huh. beat Ole Miss two out of three. And basically, the whole li- whole – offensive lineup from that team last year is back this year at Ole Miss. Now, they've had some injuries, including one to a kid named Kevin Graham, who's probably their best hitter. 
Graham's back in the lineup now, and that's made a huge difference. Wow. Another okay. kid by the name of Tim Elko, who was injured most of last year, he's back at full streak this year. He's got 17 home runs. So Ole Miss can swing it. They've got a great offensive club. Uh, their pitching maybe hasn't been up to the level that it usually is with Bianco as head coach. But, man, it's going to be a challenge this weekend. And uh, yeah, don't be fooled by Ole Miss's record yeah. because they are playing really well right now. One thing I like about LSU, I'm not, I'm still not sold on their starting pitching other than Mikhail Hilliard, but man, that bullpen, Hasty, Reiserman, yeah. Floyd, and 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 on and on, they have been. I mean, is there a better, better set of bullpen pictures anywhere in the league other than besides LSU? Well, I don't think there is, uh, Jordy, because and, and man, the the addition of Jacob Hasty, what a what a yeah. story that kid's been. I mean, he had trouble throwing strikes his freshman year back in 2020. Was used very sparingly last year. Same issue, just could not find the strike zone. Had a, In Jay Johnson's words, he had an awful fall practice. And had an awful preseason practice prior to the spring season. But suddenly he's found it. He's worked hard with pitching coach Jason Kelly. Now he's a real weapon. I mean, a lefty who throws 94, has an awesome breaking ball. Uh, add hasty into the mix with... Eric Razelman and Paul Gervais and Riley Cooper. You've got a pretty solid group. And I'm not even mentioning Devin Fontenot, the, the veteran yeah. of the bullpen. So, yeah, those yeah. guys have been just tremendous. And Jay has said repeatedly that he, that's what he's been most pleased about this year is just the way the bullpen has come through. They have been uh, something in hasty. Hey, I've all, I always complained to Paul Maneri. Uh, I say, Paul, you don't have any left-handed pictures. What are you doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but Hasty's, remember, I mean, always, I'd say, Paul, what, what's the deal? I've never seen a baseball team that doesn't have left-handed pitchers. Uh, but Hasty's a lefty, and, man, he uh, he must have a rubber rubber band arm because he, he keeps pitching and pitching and firing away. Uh, he's been the find of the year, I think. Oh, I, I definitely agree. That's a credit to uh, Jason Kelly, a Tiger pitching yeah. coach. Uh, he, he's believed in Jacob the whole way. He could see the raw talent. And it's just a matter of channeling it in the right direction. And they certainly have found it. Whatever whatever was missing, uh, Jacob has found it. And he's been miss- I mean, he's been so reliable. He's been putting in some uh, – Jay Johnson uses the, uh, the phrase high-leverage situation. He's been put into a lot of high-leverage situations in a very short amount of time. And he's succeeded each time. And I, I know uh, the Tigers will be counting on him again this weekend. Hit and miss showers uh, throughout the afternoon, but uh, mysteriously it says it's supposed to stop around 7.30, believe it or not. So um, hopefully that will uh, get out of the way and we'll have some baseball. I'd be remiss if I didn't say how how happy were you and what does it mean to LSU baseball for Kramer Robertson to be called up to my favorite team (laughs) in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals. And and remarkably, his mother... His mother you know, and his college call, Speaking co- of Coach Maneri, Coach Maneri called me that morning to let me know, kind of give me advance notice about it so we could uh, post it on social media, put it on our website. Uh, once the Cardinals officially released it, we, uh, we of course, released the information. That, and Coach Maneri and got to fly up with Kim Mulkey uh, to see Kramer up at St. Louis at Bush Stadium before their game with the Orioles. So I know it was a thrill of a, laugh, a lifetime, not only for Kramer, but also for his mom and for his coach. Uh, coach Maneri was just beyond words about how excited he was for that young man because he knows how hard Kramer worked to get to that point. He was such a raw, uh, you know, unproven kid when he got to LSU. And, and, yeah. and Coach Mulkey has said many times, Paul Maneri turned my son from a boy to a man. And, and uh, he certainly did. And Kramer 
so proud of him for reaching that 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 lifetime goal. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's uh, just another in the long, long, long list of uh, LSU players that um, yep. have made a career in the big leagues uh, throughout the course of the year. So that's terrific. All right, Bill, uh, save those pipes and. Uh, Man, let's let's let Hilliard go at least six innings tonight, maybe seven. Yes. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then then muster up whoever you know. May, maybe. Hey, what did it mean for Blake Money to have that kind of a kind of a confidence builder against Southeastern Louisiana the other day? Yeah. Um, because they I, need I him. It, yeah, I think it could be significant, Jordy. It just showed man, the kid's got the right stuff. I mean, he throws ninety four. He's got a great changeup. It's just about location. If he can, if he can uh, again, uh, pinpoint location, I, I think he could be a real asset for the Tigers. And, and Jay said, maybe it's my fault. Maybe we're asking things of Blake that he's not capable of doing. So let's find something that he is capable of doing and let him mm-hmm. excel in that area. I think that's what we'll see from now on. All right, Bill Franquez, have a great uh, weekend. Let's get three, man. Let's get three. We'll talk to you again soon, right. my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Jordy. All right, that's Bill Frank as the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for downtown rising. Saturday, June the 4th, the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news for LSU hoops. We'll have that story with Cokie Riley after this timeout on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 35 minutes after the hour, we talked LSU baseball with Bill Frankes. Let's talk all other things LSU, football, and basketball with our good friend Cokie Riley, who um, covers LSU football, baseball, and basketball for USA Today and the Daily Advertiser. What's up, Mr. Riley? How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Jordy. How's, how's it going? It's going great. I got, uh, you know, we, we text message back and forth. I said, man, I hope Adam Miller makes a decision. And uh, Ace Miller decided that he's taking his name out of the transfer portal and is returning to LSU. Big boost. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, this is a giant boost from a guy who, sure, he didn't play at all this past season um, because of a torn ACL, but uh, uh, at least according to LSU's release, he should be fully ready to go for um, all the preseason practices and whatnot. So, that's a good sign. Seems like he's 100 percent healthy. But anyway, I mean, at Illinois, his freshman year before he transferred to LSU, this guy was a starter on one of the best teams in the country as a freshman, and you can kind of see that in some of the tape, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. an explosive athlete heading to the basket, especially. Um, he's got an excellent, excellent form on that three-point shot. Didn't have the most efficient year at Illinois, but you can definitely see the skills are there, the athleticism is there. Um, to definitely be an impact player, and, and if he, he gets off to a good preseason, then 
could certainly be a starter in what's been a pretty what's turned into a pretty deep backcourt uh, for it LSU. Really is. It really is. Uh, he told College Hoops today today, quote, "I just have so much respect for people down here." I went through a few workouts with the new staff and really felt comfortable. I looked hard at the TCU situation, but I wanted to keep LSU across my chest. So he's another five-star recruit um, who joined LSU for Will Wade. And then when Wade was dismissed, he kind of weighed his options and he's back. So uh, let's talk about that backcourt. Uh, if you had to pick a starting backcourt now, what, what, what would you say? Who would you pick? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, yes. Ooh, there's a lot of options. Uh, I mean, Cam Hayes, the NC State transfer. There's Trey Hannibal and Justice mm-hmm. Hill, who are both who both obviously have um, great connections with Matt McMahon because they were all at Murray State together. Right. Uh, we throw Miller into the mix. I think Miller starts. I, I, I just I feel too. like I know he missed all of last season, but the talent is there. Um, the resume is there. Uh, I mean, it, it, to me, his tape pops off more than what I've seen from him. It pops off a little bit more than what I've seen from the other guys. And, and that's also against a really strong competition in the Big Ten only as a freshman. Like, where, like if it weren't for the injured season, like how much of an impact could he have had on LSU this year? Like He could have been a starter on the team this past season for sure. So I, I look at those. And then I think the other spot, if I had to guess, it probably goes to Justice Hill, at, that, at least in my opinion. And um I think Justice Williams has a chance to take that spot, but I think with Hill coming in from Murray State, averaged 13 points and five assists last season, he can be a little bit more of the table setter at the point um, for this team while Miller is, takes a, bit, a little bit more of an off-ball role. Uh, uh-huh. But Hill is a really good pick-and-roll player, understands Matt, Mc, Matt McMahon's system. Is it going to make a huge impact on defense just because there's limited, limited size? But quick player, um, can certainly dictate the tempo and the pace of the game. Uh, but I, I don't know. They have two options, real options at point guard uh, between Hill. Him and uh, Ken Hayes is also a pick-and-roll player, but Hayes has a little bit more length, a little bit more size. Um, it's kind of so, I don't know. I, I think Hill takes it, but it, 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 it's it's going to be interesting. They have a lot of options back there. Yeah. Um, it's I, I still marvel at the job that uh, Matt McMahon has done. Um, you know, he, he convinced Adam Miller to stay. He got a couple of more Tigers to come back. And he has been fervishly getting bigs around the country. I, I think it's a, a remarkable job. I don't know how many, uh, how that's going to equate wins and losses, but the mere fact that, do they do they have any scholarships available anymore? Has he filled up his roster? They got one more. One uh, more. They have one more scholarship to use. Uh, so they've, they've done a pretty good job of sort of peppering around the scholarships at least to this point, uh, three freshmen uh, from the high school ranks, Tyrell Ward and Jalen Reed, uh, both four-star recruits, both top 65 players in the nation. So they're high four-star recruits. Um, There's Cornelius Williams, who was a former Murray State commit, who could also play center, um, who is a center, I should say. And then, and then, of course, the six additions in the transfer portal and three players who they've convinced to come back from the transfer portal, who they already had, of course. And okay. uh, So, yeah, that's kind of the situation they have. they got one more scholarship to use. It's just remarkable what he's done with the, with the circumstances, and we still don't know yet from the NCAA what, uh, what's going to transpire here. When do you think, 
if you had to guess, because LSU got the in, the notice of inquiry and all that stuff, and I think they had like three months in which to respond to that, um, and then it's up to the NCAA and that committee to to formulate their their punishment, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when do you see this finally being resolved? Just guess. Oh, with the NCAA, you never know. Um, yeah. I think I think the best example I can think of off the top of my head is the Oklahoma State situation where it looked like Oklahoma State wasn't going to be able to make the tournament, right? Because when they brought in Cade Cunningham, the number one player in the country at the time, it was like, oh, they brought in this kid and he's not going to be able, able even be able to play in the tournament because heading into the season, we knew that um, they were going to get hit, hit with some sort of uh, postseason ban, right? But yeah. then they ended up playing in the tournament because the NCAA pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back to the point where there was no ruling, so they were just going to play. And, and there's and that's probably and I wouldn't be stunned if that actually happens. I wouldn't be stunned if that doesn't happen and they do get slapped with something before then. So I, I don't know. They just have to. It's it's a strange situation they're in because they just have to act and uh, operate as if there's nothing coming down the pipe when there probably will be. So. Um, but if I had to guess, I mean, I have no idea. I, yeah. <laughs> the NCAA is, is <laughs> maybe so, not a fair question. It, it, it's so disorganized and so yeah. messy, and I, I mean, it, 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 and I mean, Lord knows how 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 soon or how late this is going to come. So. It's been what five years? It seems like uh, forever in a day that uh, this first started. So what's the next exactly. year? <laughs> An extra few months to a year. I mean, who knows? That's crazy. Um, all right. So, uh, great news for LSU basketball, um, LSU football. Um, I, I'm going to read a quote from Brian Kelly, uh, talking about the quarterback situation quote. Now that we know each quarterback, we're going to have to install what they do well. And each one of those quarterbacks has a different skill set. We'll have to be very deliberate in how we put together the preseason schedule and how we rep each and every quarterback so that they can separate themselves. Whoo. I don't, you know, I don't know how long he thinks practices are going to go, but how do you work out uh, three or four quarterbacks and give them equal reps? You're going to be out there for five hours. Well, they had to do a, a similar thing with the scheduling. I mean, Kelly sort of talked about this toward the beginning of spring where, they spend a lot of time figuring out how to evenly divide the reps, not just between the three of them, but at that point between the four of them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that was such a, I, I guess, I don't want to say hassle, but that was such a challenge for them that um, I talked to Kelly last week and he was basically telling me that, I mean, they didn't really have time to build schemes or to build play, I guess, playbooks, for lack of right. a better word, that would fit um, each each quarterback skill sets, because I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show before where each of these quarterbacks have very unique traits, very unique skill sets. They need certain offenses designed to fit those skill sets. Like for example, like a guy like Jaden Daniels during spring, uh, uh, Jaden Daniels had to do these progression read concepts. And that's just not what he's going to do if he's the starting quarterback. So we're not really evaluating him in perfectly because he has to do something that he's not ultimately going to be asked if he wins the job. So I think the goal of this summer um, and heading into fall camp is just trying to devise each device. um, I get playbook schemes, whatever you want to call it for each of these quarterbacks so they can see that which one excels most at the thing that 
um, they're expected to excel at, and whoever wins that will win the job. That's basically my interpretation of the whole thing. Um, okay. Through that quote you just said, and through what Kelly told me personally, so I got um, you. It's, it's a wild and very fascinating situation. It really is, and it's the most important position on the field. So, wow, um, Koki Riley with us. Uh, here's another quote um, talking about depth. Uh, I mean, and, and Brian Kelly was very cognizant about the 39 scholarship players going into the Texas Bowl. He said we did a very good job as a staff of addressing those needs, but there are some depth issues that we have to be aware of what are those depth issues you think um i think the depth issues i I think it's mostly at corner i i just feel like after the four after the four core guys when you add in seven banks they feel a little bit better about their cornerback depth after adding banks but it kind of drops off to freshmen and safeties who were playing corner and it's an injury or two there, and they could be in some trouble, especially in the SEC West. You can't really get away with that sort of stuff and in a conference where, you know, the pass, the passing game is so prevalent. So I would say it's probably corner um, because I look at some of the other positions, and it isn't totally clear what, what they think of the depth. I mean, they've been pretty impressed by the running back room. Uh, safety, I, I mean, Coach Kelly talked about at the very beginning of spring, he, he, he thought that there was a little bit more depth and versatility there than he originally thought. Linebackers pretty deep, even though they're looking for uh, a weak side, a guy in the weak side um, to kind of fortify that spot. Their defensive line, the strength of the team, wide receivers have been pretty deep. Quarterback, they have almost too many options. So they have some depth, right? But it's not, I guess what it means by depth is it's not just, oh, there's only four guys you can start. There's just not a lot. There's elite talent, right? There's like 12 guys who can play on pretty much any team in the country on this team, right? Good guys like Keishon Butte. But right. then after that, the drop-off is, but there just isn't as much gotcha. after that drop-off. I think that's what you sort of mean by okay. there's a lack of depth on this team. Because even though if you look at each of the individual positions, you're like, oh, there's interesting spots. There's interesting pieces in almost all of them and a decent number of them. But it's just a matter of how many SEC quality starting players do you have for sure on this team? And that's a bit of an unknown after, you know, the first 11, 12 guys who are kind of, who are obviously elite players like the Mason Smith of the world. So it's interesting. Uh, Koki Raleigh, who uh, covers LSU for USA Today and the Daily Advertiser. Here's another one. Um, Talking about tight ends, Brian Kelly said, quote, I'm not somebody who likes the matchup of four wides. I like the tight end on the field all the time. Um, how is LSU a tight end? Is any? I mean, who's? Do they have the depth there to be able to do what Brian Kelly likes to do? Because if I remember watching Notre Dame, sometimes they use two, sometimes three tight ends on given plays. Um, they're not going to be using two or three tight ends quite often. <laughs> I, I just can't see it happening. Mostly, yeah. it's from a pure numbers perspective. But also, I, I just don't – I mean, Mac Markway isn't coming until next year, and they haven't added anyone from the transfer portal. So right. right now they're stuck with Jack Mashburn and Cole Taylor pretty much. And uh, Taylor has impressed the staff. Actually, at the, at the end of the spring game, Kelly was talking about how um, Taylor was more than just a mediocre player, basically what, basically what he said. Um, I don't know the quote exactly off the top of my head. But anyway, I, I just I, – I feel like – 
they like him and they think he, they can do some stuff with him and, and Mashburn, who actually got the first team reps in the spring game. Oh, they, they think they're both more capable than they thought they would be, but there's it's still a weakness. I mean, if you had to pick one uh, position group, it's the it's easily the weakest uh, on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to talk about lack of depth, like that one that one is a big one. But I, big I don't know. I feel like in today's NFL, I mean. In today's NFL, not NFL, excuse me, in today's college football, you just have to evolve, and the tight end isn't as quite as crucial as as it was, say, 10 or 20 years ago, because, yes, you're using that guy as an extra blocker at, at points, but given how much depth they have at receiver in terms of their personnel, in terms of the way the game's going with the passing game, I, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to have a tight end out there every single play. Um, Kelly does like his tight ends, and Mike Denbrock obviously likes his tight ends too because he's also the tight ends coach as well as being the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just feel like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I just really think they're going to use those guys a decent amount, but I don't think that they're going to be prominent parts of the offense because, again, Kelly's talked about this a ton. Like, yeah. He's more of a guy who builds his schemes around what ta- the talent he has, and talent he has says they need to play more wide receivers than they need to, than they need to do tight ends. So I think that's the oh, direction they're going to go in ultimately. All right, Koki Riley with us. Um, are you bullish on the LSU Tigers from what you've seen and what you know they face from around the conference? Are you are you comfortable with thinking this is going to be a a good season? Not a great season, but a good season. Um. It depends how you define good or great season. How would you define good or great season? I think with a new coach and having, um, you know, uh, that, the quarterback situation the way it is right now would not really sure who it was. I mean, 10 wins, I think, would be a great season. I think, um, I think eight wins would be a good season. I, I think LSU, you fall out of bed with the talent they have. Um, I, I think you win – seven, eight games if you know if you know anything about what you're doing and you have good team chemistry. That that's just my thought. What what do you think? I think this is if I had to bet, I would say this is probably an eight win team at the moment, just given how tough the conference is. Um that's fair. but and yeah, new coach, new system, all that sort of stuff. But they have the top tier talent to beat pretty much anyone in the country on the mm-hmm. right day. But okay. that's the thing, on the right day. And they also have the lack of depth in some of the new pieces and all those, all the question marks that suggest that they could lose to not, oh, not anybody, but almost, any, almost um, anybody in the SEC on the wrong day. So yeah. if you balance all that out, I think it turn, roughly turns into an eight-win team. Um, I might be a little bit more optimistic on the quarterback situation than you just because I think all three of those guys could start on most SEC teams and – Okay. Um, do okay. Uh, they they just have it. it just it, it, I, I think it's just strange the fact that I haven't they haven't come that close to picking a person. Even though I think what Kelly's saying about how tough it's been to choose all three guys when they haven't had the time to put schemes in in for all of them makes total sense. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't know. I think they're gonna they're gonna. I mean, if you can get to the quarterback with four or three. Like this team can, their their defense is going to be at least competitive, um, okay. even in the SEC West. Uh, I, I think if their corners stay healthy, that's going to be a huge thing for this team. If their corners yeah. stay healthy, those three four guys stay healthy, then their cornerback room is actually going to be quite good. And they're safe with a, with an already pretty good safety unit. 
So those are some important positions on defense. I think they have pretty well locked up. Um, quarterback's going to be a moving target the whole year, probably. But, yeah. you know, there's, uh, like I said, they have options there and the receiving room is really talented. And so they have the, they have like the pillars to potentially get the 10 wins if everything went right. That would be okay. an incredible season, like a Michigan State sort of esque year from last year. I think that'd be the best comparison right. for this. That's um, right. But I, I don't know. That's that's asking a lot, especially when you're playing sure. Alabama and Texas A&M. Um, yep. If this team was in the Pac-12, sure, they would win ten games easily. But yep. they're not. <laughs> yeah. They're in the SEC okay. West, so I feel like this is an eight-win team. Koki, thank you, man. Have a great weekend. I always appreciate talking with you. It's fun. Appreciate it. Take awesome, care, man. Awesome. Thank you again right. for having me on, Jordy. You got it, Koki Riley. Kind enough to join us. You know the game will be broadcasting live from Lake Charles tomorrow, Saturday, for the This Is Home Festival. Uh, Clint Domain will be broadcasting his show under the dome live from 9 to 11 a.m. from Ryan Street in downtown Lake Charles for the This Is Home Festival. There'll be live music all day, food vendors, beer and wine. So come check out under the dome uh, at This Is Home Festival in Lake Charles. Back to wrap up our number one next. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you out. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. Um, You can only win this delicious seafood and that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Coming up, our number two... On this uh, fast-moving Friday, Larry Holder of The Athletic will talk Saints schedule. George Faust, KLFY Sports Director, all things with the Raging Cajuns baseball and softball. Then George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will uh, forecast the Saints. Uh, Is it going to be a good year, a bad year, a great year? We'll do our best to pick the games, plus some birthday wishes as well. Our number two, the Jordy Hilpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles will continue after this timeout and the top of the hour sports break here on the game. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. Brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana on Ambassador Caffrey Parkway in Lafayette on Blue Bonnet Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Hormone replacement therapy is your life-changing solution. Um, LSU baseball tonight against Ole Miss. Uh, we've got NBA action tonight as um, um, series continue Can Milwaukee close out the Boston Celtics? Can the Golden State Warriors close out Memphis? Both of those teams are at home, and they will try to do that to wrap up the series just like the Miami Heat did last night in disposing of the Philadelphia 76ers while Luka and Dallas have extended 
their playoff against the Phoenix Suns. That hits to a game seven in the Valley of the Sun. But we got the release of the NFL schedule, and that means timing is everything. And we are very fortunate to have Larry Holder of The Athletic to talk about the Saints schedule. Um, and he, ki- he kindly joins us yet again on a Friday. Larry, good afternoon, my friend. How you doing? I'm good, Jordy. How are you today? I am terrific. Um, I think Sean Payton, his first year, went 10-6. and six, And uh, the Saints had a pretty good playoff run. Uh, and now Dennis Allen will try and do the same. Is the schedule conducive? What, what did you think of it when you saw it? Well, I probably would not compare Sean Payton's first year of a schedule to Dennis Allen's because those Saints were coming in playing a last-place schedule, and uh, Dennis Allen's not quite as fortunate as the Saints are playing a uh, a second-place schedule since they finished second in the NFC South. But, uh, look, yeah, I think when you look at this schedule – you knew the teams were going to be a challenge just in the sense that you're having to play a couple of difficult divisions outside of your own when you've mm-hmm. got to play the AFC uh, North and then you've got to play the NFC West. So you knew you had some uh, heavy hitters coming. And so it's, it, it maps out. It, they've got definitely got some spurts where I like and then definitely some spurts maybe later on in the season where you're thinking, man, this is going to be kind of a critical moment uh, uh, in, in maybe a four- or five-week span. I'm with you. Um, open up with the Falcons on the road, and then you get the Tampa Bay Bucks at home. you got a bunch of uh, conference Carolina in week three. So right out the gate, you're playing against conference or divisional opponents. Um, man, it puts the onus on getting off to a really good start. Yeah, and that's not the norm. And it's not like it sets up that way for each of those teams. Uh, so it's just the Saints, their schedule is just kind of falling that way. And So look, if the Saints, if they can start off hot, obviously starting out 3-0 overall and yet 3-0 in the division, I mean, that's uh, that's certainly where you want to be. And yeah. I think that, you know, you open up with Atlanta. Uh, they've got questions all over the map, uh, starting at quarterback, and then mm-hmm. it kind of goes uh, – Offensively, more than anything else, uh, as far as personnel, we don't know who. Uh, we assume it's going to be Marcus Mariota, but it might be Desmond Ritter. Uh, I know, uh, actually, Atlanta just traded um, for uh, Brian Edwards, a receiver with the Raiders. So, uh, you know, he's probably someone who's going to play right away for them. And so that would add to someone like Drake London that they just drafted. Uh, you know, Atlanta lost Russell Gage. And so. Uh, and they added with Kyle Pitts, but still a lot of question marks with that team. Um, Tampa, look, the Saints have had their number, and then Carolina, again, quarterback questions there. And, yeah. uh, do you trust Sam Darnold? Do they go out and go get Baker Mayfield? So, uh, you know, if the Saints can start off hot, uh, that would certainly help them moving forward. Because, like I alluded to, I think the, the the back half of the schedule, specifically really after Week Five, I think it gets to be oh. pretty challenging. Uh, kind of like that mid to late season. I always look at who you play and when you play them. And I don't know if it can be any tougher. Um, I don't know. December 24th, Christmas Eve at Cleveland and January 1st at Philadelphia. That tells me brutally cold weather against teams that um, are used to it. And we haven't had success against Philadelphia in I don't know how long. So those those are two tough matchups, man. 
Yeah, and and those aren't even the ones that I was even referring to as far as being, <laughs> being that tough stretch. Uh, so you, like like you said, Jalen Hurts has given uh, the Saints some problems. We know Cleveland is going to be guided by someone other than Baker Mayfield. I mean, w- yeah. look, will it be Deshaun Watson? I'm, even then, I'm curious to see how long a, sus- a potential suspension goes for him, even though he's the quarterback right. of their uh, future, and yet, uh, yeah, it's to both late season cold games. I don't feel like we've seen the Saints have to deal with that a good bit in these last few years, and you know, it's really a point where okay, how are they going to be once they get to that slate? Just because, I mean, I, I would say I would look at ooh, starting even in, in week six. I mean, with Cincinnati, and then there's a bunch of teams who are either playoff teams from last year or teams I expect to rebound. And, uh, you know, then you get to that point and maybe Cleveland is a contender and maybe Philadelphia is as well. So uh, even before you look at the mapped out schedule, you knew the opponents were going to be a challenge. Yeah. uh, Week six, Cincinnati. Week seven at Arizona. Uh, Week eight is at Vegas. Uh, Week nine is the only team in this stretch that didn't make the playoffs a year ago, and that was the Baltimore Ravens. They're always good, seems like. Um, and then you got to go at Pittsburgh, another tough place to play, right? Um, at the, you know, you get the Rams at home. So, so that's a that is a and, and they have to go to San Francisco. That is a brutal stretch of games that's going to dictate the 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 yin or the yang of this season, I believe. And then after San Francisco, you got to come at, back across country and go at Tampa, and at then Tampa you finally Bay, get a buy. Yeah. So yeah. I think that when you look at it in that sense, it's a it's a tough stretch. So the Saints, when you know you map out all those games, and you've either got good to really good teams in there, uh, and so when you look at say the first five games, uh, you've got to get the job done. I mean, you got to right. be able to at least go two and one through that first NFC South stretch. And then you go to the U.K. and you take on the Vikings, and then you come back and, and play Seattle. So you're thinking that, man, uh, that week six game, I'm curious to see how the Dome is going to react. Sure, it'll be Saints-friendly, but uh, there's no doubt that there will be uh, some Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase yes. jerseys in the yes. house. And then, yeah, it, like I said, it's not like these teams, they're, they're not, they might not – necessarily be favorites over the Saints, but you could say you could say a lot of toss up games. And so and given we don't know how the Saints are really going to come into the season, uh, I, I think it's it's definitely a, a shaky stretch of about seven or eight games. Uh Larry Holder of the Athletic, thirteen weeks of games before you get a bye. That's unusual. Yeah, usually we're not see, used to seeing the Saints have to wait that long. And, look, they could have, if they really wanted to, probably ask for a bye after uh, they played the Vikings, but that would be in week five. So I, I think mm-hmm. they just said, hey, all right, let's push this thing. And um, it's you just kind of deal with it when you got to deal with it. And so you hope that uh, uh, maybe it's the Saints are – a little beat up, and then they've got that time to rest there, But uh, as opposed to maybe week five or six or seven. But still, yeah, that is a long haul for a bye week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's abnormal, and we haven't seen that really for this Saints team in, in quite a while. I'm always curious, again, Larry Holder of The Athletic, uh, you, you, when you see television times, it kind of tells you what 
the league thinks about the Saints. Last year, they had five primetime games. This year, three. What did you think of that? About right. When you think of it in the sense that the Saints, they missed the playoffs. Uh, there's some uncertainty. New head coach. It's not mm-hmm. Sean Payton anymore. Not Drew Brees anymore. And, uh, you know, you're, you're wondering about your star power. And uh, I think expectations around the league are a little bit lower. Even I, I think they're too low for me. Uh, I think this Saints team is a playoff team, but they do have to get the, the, the job done. And look, if they win games, they will be flexed. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. But still, I do think that uh, that it's. At least it's not as bad as Carolina and Atlanta. I mean, they each have one primetime game, and it's just against each other. So yeah. it's at least uh, you have that in that sense. But still, uh, it is uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a humbling moment. But the Saints, they've got to play their way back into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Holder of the Athletic. It used to be uh, before the league got smart um, and had all these salaries slotted that. Sometimes it would go up up to the start of training camp before you signed your rookies. But the Saints agreed to terms with Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, their two first-round picks. So I like the fact that you get this stuff out of the way and, and you don't leave anything to chance. It is what it is. The players know it. The, their agents know it. The owners know it. Um, and so that's a good thing, I believe. Yeah, it's really only news if someone actually holds out, which that doesn't happen anymore. So I think that it eliminates – Part of that, and, and look, they, they're starting rookie mini camp. They, they've started it today. It'll go throughout the weekend. So good to have those players in, signed, sealed, delivered, and you know, it's it's really that's. <laughs> there's so many other stresses. I feel like throughout the NFL these days, uh, th- the fact that that is a little bit more stress free uh, has to be something good for someone like Mickey Loomis and of course yeah. uh, uh, the Saints yeah. uh, cap guru Kai Harley. Absolutely. We don't know when the Saints and Packers are going to play in the preseason, but apparently the Saints and the Packers have reached an agreement to conduct, as they have done in years past, uh, with other teams to conduct some joint practices in Green Bay before their preseason game in August. Um, It's going to be week two of the preseason at Lambeau Field, so maybe the Saints want to get out of the heat and humidity of uh, airline highway and get up there to Wisconsin and the land of cheese and, and play, you know, have some practices against uh, another team. I like that. I like that. They do that stuff. Reminds me of this is long before we cover the team, Jordy, when they were going to training camp in lacrosse. Like I only yes. hear about those days from like our old grizzled uh, media veterans. I mean, That's I was right. not, I was probably still in, grade school and going into high school and that stuff was yep. happening. But yeah, yep. I think that's something. And also it's, it's a different team than normal. I mean, we've seen these happen with teams like the Patriots and maybe the Texans. And then we saw it for a couple of years with the chargers. Yep. I like that. It's with the Packers. I mean, it's going to be tested with, with, with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, because he's probably not even going to play in the game. So that's I think right. it's a good test there. And then you definitely get out of the heat. I mean, it reminds me also a little bit of you get into that Greenbrier weather. Uh, you oh, know, you loved it. You loved that place. There. Yeah, so when you look at it in that sense, uh, I think it's a good change-up. Yeah. I mean, for someone like Cam Jordan, I mean, he, hadn't, he hasn't even gone up in there and trained up in Wisconsin, you know, for a few days. So I think there's a good change-up against still, even though they've got question marks, still a, a, a good football team. Uh, Larry Holder, the athletic, uh, on paper, 
don't the Saints, and, and I know you don't play on paper, but the Saints' defense ought to be unbelievable, I think. I think it's still going to be the strength, yeah. When you look at it, and the, even the pieces they've kind of interchanged, I mean, you might be out without Marcus May for a minute just because he, he might have to serve a suspension because of an arrest. Uh, but still, you know, Tyron Matthews has taken uh, the place of, uh, of Malcolm Jenkins, and uh, you know you, you you still like what you've got uh, throughout the secondary. And yeah, you know, I think that the defense has got to be the calling card because we just don't know offensively um, what this team is at this point. I mean, we got to see how Jameis Winston reacts. You're going to have a, a new left tackle for sure, uh, whether it's uh, Trevor Penning or uh, if he can't even win the job, then James Hurst just has to fill back in. Uh, how is Andres Pete going to come back and play and then, and then get some rebounds? And then Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, how is Chris Olave going to fit in? Lots right. of, so many more Lots question marks offensively, which yeah. we're not uh, accustomed to uh, uh, in, the, in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. And, of course, that era is over. Um, I'm saddened that they've pushed this thing back with Kamara to August. I, I was hoping there'd be some finality to it and you would know what you could do and then – if he's going to be out for some games, um, you know, maybe you go find another running back just to see what he can do. Uh, but but uh, we won't know that yet. So I don't know what the Saints are going to do with that. Well, I think that's something they still have to kind of look into. I mean, I know they were kind of interested in Sony Michelle. I know he signed elsewhere. Uh, and then they, they look historically, they've had some good luck finding some rookies. So let's see where, where they go from here. Even undrafted yeah. rookies, uh, you still have Mark Ingram, but. I still think that that uh, that area has not been uh, totally solved yet. So I think that uh, um, here's the thing: if something happens with Kamara, I, I mean, nothing's going to happen immediately that day in August. So I think right. this thing is going to linger, and I mean, that's just something that they, uh, you know, once they get a finality within the court case, mm-hmm. then they might have an idea how the NFL will react. But uh, look, if it's in August. I would suspect he would be ready to play for the beginning of the season, and then it's kind of like Deontay Hardy, you know, formerly Deontay Harris. You had to figure out and wait when the NFL is going to react there. I think they're just going to be in the same boat with Kamara. I've got a a great idea. Kamara should hire the NCAA as its attorney, and we'll have this thing resolved in five years. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, uh, for Kamara, there's video, so I think it might be a little, uh, little bit more uh, open and shut. All right, a little then bit four if years with the NCAA. All right, four years. God, they can't get anything right. Um, Larry Holder, the Athletic. Uh, no Jazz Fest. You just got a calm weekend now, so go relax and enjoy it. Will do, my friend. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, Jory. Talk to you next. Take week. care. So, so, so greatly appreciate it, Larry Holder. Of the athletic, um, you know, uh, the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All things Raging Cajuns with the sports director, KLFY, George Faust, when we return after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by 
the aesthetic medicine and anti-aging clinics of Louisiana. Hormone replacement therapy, HRT. It's your life-changing solution. We'll be back. There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY sports director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, George? How you doing, buddy? Oh, doing great. Doing great. How about you? I'm great. I'm getting word now. Apparently, according to sources, the New Orleans Saints have signed Jarvis Juice Landry, the former Tiger, former Cleveland Browner, to their roster. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, that's you know what the wide receiving core looks like it's taking shape here, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know what's taking shape? This UL softball team, they've won 12 in a row. They're, they're going to await to see who they play tomorrow in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game at 2.30. You talk about a team on a roll. Man, awesome. Yeah, look, you know, we've kind of been – I've discussed this with a couple of people about how, you know, what's really impressive about this team is at the beginning of the year, you know, we knew they were going to be good. I mean, they obviously were ranked in the top 25. Uh, they, right. they continued to – they were young, though. They were real young, and we knew that there was going to be mistakes made throughout the year. You know, they had that, that, that rough stretch of games where they were playing these Alabamas and Texas and LSU and these teams that, that really have, uh, you know, the power fives, and uh, they took their lumps, and it looks like they've kind of put together uh, a, 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 a solid team, a team that's uh, yeah. kind of weathered a storm and learned – Gained some experience, learned from their uh, their losses, which is what losses are there for, and uh, now they're putting it all together here in the Sun Belt tournament uh, as they uh, as they cruise along. Just a one nothing win, but that doesn't matter. It's still a win, right? Which only adds to my belief that teams should coaches should schedule really good teams non conference to get you ready for conference play you may suffer some bumps and bruises those aren't going to hurt you but when you go up and you're 21 and 5 in conference i mean 23 and 4 in conference play man the losses to to lsu to alabama uh and the like man that that just helps you man it just helps you i I couldn't agree more man you know it's, it's one of those things where it's like uh you realize what you're, you're 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 putting your team up against the best of the best, and that iron sharpens iron type of mentality, uh, where you, if you play the best, you're going to end up eventually playing the best, and and that's right. what's happening here. I'm with George Faust from KLFY. An interesting series for the men. Um, they disposed of Rice in quick fashion on Tuesday and Wednesday, and now they're in San Marcos taking on the conference leader, Texas State, 20-4. and four. The Cajuns are 17-7. and seven. My higher math tells me if the Cajuns can, can do something remarkable and sweep this thing, they'll be tied for first place in the conference. Easier said than well, done, but assess, <laughs> the, assess Matt Deggs' club. Uh, look, they, they have continually improved as well. It's kind of funny. They kind of are on the same kind of trajectory as as the as the women. And and look, 
the the with regards to softball. But the thing that's different about them is they is they have the, these these guys that are that have already been experienced. They they kind of went through it last year. Uh, a guy like Carson Rockefeller, a guy like Tyler Robertson. Uh, I, 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 I praise those guys on here. I've done it before, uh, in previous, uh, sessions with, with you and, and that just what they've been able to do and, and, and with regards to improving their pitching, getting quality pitching, uh, quality starts, uh, at, at a big clip now, they that wasn't happening earlier in the season, and now it seems like they're starting their pitching kind of taking hold, and, and they feel more confident when they're on the mound. All of those guys have, have done a great job, uh, from Ben and Tally to Jeff Wilson. All, all, all you, you name them, they, they're out there and they're they're dealing right now, and they're they're in a good spot now. This is a tough game, obviously tough matchup, tough series. Uh, but I, impressive the way they're able to score runs, though that that has been quite impressive to me, uh, especially over the in the midweek. I mean, they put up put 16 on Rice in their second game of their series and took that midweek series against the Owls. So uh, they're they're able to put up some runs, and, and if they can do that. Uh, I think with the way their pitching is performing at this juncture, they could be in for uh, a, a nice weekend. Uh, it's not going to be easy because look, Texas no. State. I was looking at. I, I didn't believe. I, I couldn't believe. I, maybe I just hadn't zoned in on Texas State baseball, but they're 15th in the country right now. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. So if the Cajuns can kind of uh, go in there and take care, even just win the series. I mean, two out That'd of three be awesome. would be pretty nice. To yeah. be able to uh, say you can, uh, you went and knocked them off in their place, and then you're going to probably have to meet them up at some point if you're going to win the tournament. You'll probably have to meet them up somewhere along the way in the uh, Sun Belt tournament too. So we've got. Uh, but what uh, most most impressive to me is is obviously the ability to put up put up runs, and then the the ability uh, of the pitching staff that they has improved so much. All right. George Faust, KLFY, State High School baseball playoffs underway. Boy, Notre Dame ran into a buzzsaw in St. Charles Catholic. Brady St. Pierre went uh, went the distance for St. Charles Catholic, only gave up two hits, one run, struck out nine batters. Anybody else involved? Anybody else hanging in there? North Vermillion, defending 4A state champs. They're they're hanging in. Jeremy Trahan, uh, Traha has done a great job uh, of uh, of of putting a program together and they have done a phenomenal job this year. They're in the state championship. They won their semifinal matchup. Uh, and then they, they will, uh, they'll play in the state championship on Saturday. So North Vermont, there were four schools left from this area, uh, in the Acadiana area that, that were playing in the semis. Notre Dame, obviously last night, uh, last evening, uh, lost four to one. You're right. Mm-hmm. That guy, uh, St. Pierre, he was he was dealing, man. He had a no hitter through six and two thirds of wow. that game. He's only played seven innings in high school baseball, so uh, yeah, he was on fire. Um, so uh, Iota was another team that uh, they ended up losing to Lutcher, so uh, they they uh, they exited as well. But they they're, that's a phenomenal baseball program. I think Iota uh, even beat Notre Dame earlier in the year. Uh, but but Notre Dame and talking to, with Chris Stevens, the head coach at Notre Dame, uh, you know they they beat they had to play a, a brutal schedule and they played a lot of teams that were state champions or past state champions. Uh, 
and did a, did a phenomenal job, won 20-plus games this year, but uh, just came up one short when trying to get to the uh, state championship. So uh, it, it is what it is, good season, and uh, and they'll, they'll move on. And, and uh, we'll have North Vermillion doing their thing on, on Saturday, trying to get a, a repeat state championship. North Vermillion beat North DeSoto uh, 14 to 2. Brant Fontenot went three for four with five ribbies and two runs for the, as you mentioned, the defending class 4A champs. They'll take on South Terrebonne, who beat Lakeshore four zips. South Terrebonne advanced to its first class 4A state championship in school history. So uh, you got to you gotta repeat against a rookie. So we will see how it all unfolds. George, I know you're busy, man. I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, you guys have a great weekend, okay? All right, you do the same. All right, George, thank you so much. Sure thing. Tune in next week to Jordy Holdberg for Fridays with Faust here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 13th, 1893. The first intercollegiate athletic contest in LSU history takes place. In connection with Military Field Day, the LSU baseball team takes on Tulane and wins the contest 10-8. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 35 minutes after the hour. It's Friday. You know what time that is. And it means that time for George Becknell, James Mesh, and I to kind of banter back and forth. Good afternoon, George. How are you? Jordan, I'm I'm fantastic. And I'm even better being I just heard some amazing news. How about this? How about so I'm pretty hyped. How about Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harty, Marquez Calloway, and Jarvis Landry as your wide receiver group? How about that? I mean, Jordan, I, I mean, it's infinitely better than a year ago. I felt like last year was me, you, and James out there. So this year it, it, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a lot better. It's one of those better receiver rooms in the league. And, you know, the Saints are making a statement. They're like, look, we're committed to winning now. No Sean Payton, no Drew Brees, doesn't matter. We're going to do what it takes to win now, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm with you. James, he's a five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, 43 career touchdowns. He's from Louisiana, started LSU. He's only 29. So we got Juice and the Honey Badger all back together again. What do you think? I love it. How could you be mad at it? You're fine. It, it it feels like does does Sean Payton have a vendetta against LSU players? Because all of a sudden, as soon as he leaves, maybe so. Oh, you you get all the LSU yeah. players. Yeah, you know what this tells me, guys. Uh, Jameis, we're giving you everything we can, big fella. And now you're either going to sink or you're going to swim, right? All the trust. Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. Like like they're giving Jameis every opportunity to be great, and he's on a two year contract, so. You know, next year is like, hey, is is your opportunity to show that you're who you are, that you're supposed to be in Tampa, and if you don't, we're moving on. All right, we got 17 games, and we're picking every one of them. Yes, and sir. We're gonna have our not our way too early predictions on this one. So, yeah, um, George Becknell, September the 11th, season opener, 
at the Dirty Bird Atlanta Falcons. Go. I mean, do the Saints even lose to the Falcons? <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't think that was possible. But, yes, Saints go to Georgia and win the house Sean Payton built. No more Matt Ryan. Who's their quarterback? Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Oh, jeez. All right, James, who you got, man? I got to take the Saints. They always okay. do well against the Falcons. Yep. Uh, I think uh, the Dennis Allen era starts off with a bang. I think the defense makes Marcus Mariota uh, very uncomfortable, and maybe they have to go with that Desmond Ritter. Um, uh, we shall see, but we're in agreement. Saints start the year off 1-0. and They come back for their home opener September 18th at noon against Tom and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. George, thoughts? Jordan, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever walk this earth. You know, he can do anything, but he could be be 30 teams in the league. The only two exceptions are the Saints and Tampa Bay, so give me the Saints. Saints won the last meeting 9-zip. That's when uh, I think uh, Sean Payton wasn't around. Dennis Allen was the coach, and the defense took care of business. Saints, Bucks, who you got, James? I believe that streak continues with a regular season. I say the Saints win and start off 2-0. I'm with you. The Saints lead the series 39-22, make it 40-22. The Saints are going to uh, get it, and that's going to be it. So we both agree, all agree, 2-0 is the start. Uh, Is it a trap game, George, at Carolina week three? Absolutely not. It's a division rival. They always get up for – for Carolina and Carolina, no matter what, always gets up for the Saints. Yeah, I think they'll be very aware, and they go go. Then they go start out three and zero. Early in the season, that tells me Christian McCaffrey is going to be playing. He's not going to be hurt yet, <laughs> so that's that's, <laughs> that's always a tough story. There, the uh, the Saints have won four of their last five trips to Charlotte. James, who you got? I'm going to have to take Carolina in this one. Jameis Winston. In his career against the Panthers, he is four and seven. And even last year he started off week two against the Panthers at Carolina. He had his worst game out of the first seven when he played for the black and gold. I'm I feel like this one is a trap game. Okay. I think it is a tough one. I think the defense will prevail. Give me the Saints to beat the Panthers. And I think the Panthers stink. I really do. All right. Week four, you travel to to London uh, to take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Saints are 2-0 and in London, including a 20-zip victory over Miami in 2017, their last trip across the pond. If I remember correctly, um, George, the last time uh, the Saints took on the Vikings, Alvin Kamara torched them with six rushing touchdowns on Christmas Day 2020. Saints-Vikings, what do you think? Jordan, uh, hopefully Alvin Kamara will be playing in this one. But uh, like you said, the Saints are 3-0 in, in, in London. The Vikings are a team going in the opposite direction. They don't know what's going on with their quarterback. I, I like the Saints in this one. Give me New Orleans. All right, Saints. James? It's interesting because both teams are 2-0 and whenever they, across, they go across the pond. Mm-hmm. But I believe in this Saints team, and I say they go 3-1 and to start off. All right. I got them going 4-0. and Give me the Saints. Hook it up. Now, I get concerned uh, coming back. Um, that travel is something. Thank goodness that the Saints are at home uh, for week five against the Seattle Seahawks. Who's going to be their quarterback? 
Um, last meeting was in 2021. The Saints won that one 13 to 10. The Seahawks were bad last year. They were seven and 10, fourth in the NFC West. Saints, Seahawks, George. The Seahawks were bad last year and they'll be worse this year. Um, it's the perfect team for the Saints to come back and play. I think the Saints go out and start out five and oh. Ooh, okay. James. Kamara loves playing against the Seahawks. He's got three touchdowns, 350 scrimmage yards, and 14 first downs in his two career games against them. I say they go four and one. Geno Smith or Drew Locke doesn't – neither one scares me in the least. Saints defense takes care of business. Man, George and I have them five and oh. James, you got them four and one. Super Bowl, here we come. Oh, and then the best home matchup of the year, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, will match up against uh, Jarvis Landry and Teran Matthew. It's an LSU love fest in the Dome, a noon kickoff October 16th. What do you think, George? Did we lose George? 6-0, Jordy. I just uh, – 6-0, Jordy. All right. I, I, I don't see the Saints losing this game at home. Uh, the Saints have a great defensive line. The Bengals have no offensive line whatsoever. My boy Burrow is going to get sacked a lot in this game. I can't believe this game is a noon kickoff. Man, they should have put that thing up in prime time. That's what yeah, scares me a little bit. That's what scares me a little bit. James, what do you think? I got to believe in this Saints team. I think this one's going to come down to a last-second field goal. I believe Will Lutz will have to kick a 50-yarder for the game winner. Um, Von Bell's with the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson's with the Bengals, and I don't like New Orleans, Eli Apple. So he's going to be drawing the wrath of, uh, of the, uh, the saints. Um, there'll be a lot of love for Joe and Jamar, but in the end, the saints are going to win at six and oh, all right. So they back up that Sunday game with a quick turnaround. They got to go October 20th, a Thursday prime timer at Arizona. Boy, it's asking a lot. George, that, that's a, that's a tough one, Jordan. Um, you know, because the Saints' bye week isn't until like December, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So they they gonna be kind of tired. They go to London. They come back. They go win a big one against Cincinnati. I think they might lose because of the short time span and all the wear and tear in the beginning of the season. So I'm gonna say the Saints. All right, and uh, the Saints didn't catch a scheduling break here. Cardinal receiver DeAndre Hopkins will return from his six-game suspension for violating the uh, performance-enhancing substances, and he'll be ready to play in week seven. James, who you got? I believe since it'll come down to the last minute and it'll be a short week against a team that generally goes 6-1, and 7-1, and 6-2 to start the season, I think this will be the Saints' second loss. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going with Arizona in this one. Um, special game for for Teran Matthew. He returns to face the team that drafted him. Uh, so I think uh, because of all the things that y'all mentioned, um, quick turnaround, having to travel west. Ugh, give Give me Arizona in that one. All right, then the Saints return home um, on Halloween Eve to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. That's a noon kickoff in Caesars. George. Uh, I don't like this one either. I, I don't, uh, you know, we've lost to the Raiders the last two times we played them. They're a terrible matchup for us. I think the Saints are 6-2 after this game. All right. 
James Mesh. The Raiders do worry is worry me as well. The whole AFC West as a whole got better this whole offseason. And like George said, I mean, the last couple of times, Saints have struggled. I don't know if it was yeah. just because it was Drew Brees, but I think they go six and three to start off. All right. I'm going contrarian to you guys. Um, every streak has to come to an end. Saints haven't beaten the Raiders, and now they haven't played them every year. But the last time they beat them was in 2012. 2012. This is 2022. Ten years later, Saints win it. They solve the Derek Carr issue, uh, and the Saints go to 7-1, and one, which takes us to another primetime matchup Monday night versus the Baltimore Ravens in the Mercedes in, in Caesars Superdome. <laughs> Monday night in the Dome, George. Come on. This has to be the Saints. Like, you know, the Superdome on primetime is the hardest place in the NFL to play. I promise you. You know, the Ravens aren't really good enough. They're, I don't. I didn't see why they got better either other than signing Marcus Williams. Yep. So give me the Saints in this one to win big at home in primetime. All right. You, uh, you believe in Lamar Jackson, James, or do you believe in the Saints at home on a Monday night in that, in that stadium? I got to believe it's prime time. It's ESPN. It's Saints time. They finally get back on their wing ways to go seven and three. Uh, no, that's uh, okay. Well, how come or, I'm. Or no. I, no, I, that's, his, that, that's nine games. So, so uh, you're saying it would be six, six and, and three. three? Six and three. Six and three. I've yes. got the Saints winning. I got them eight and one, baby, till they head to Pittsburgh Ooh. on November 13th for a noontime affair. Um, last time the Saints won against uh, Pittsburgh was back in 2018. So we don't play them all the time. Uh, the Steelers were nine, seven and one last year, second in the AFC North, and they did make the playoffs. No more Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think, George? I mean, you know, it's, it's intimidating to have to come play against Mitchell Trubisky and the, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. Give me the Saints. I mean, <laughs> give me the Saints going away. All right. Uh, James, what do you think? Whether it's Trubisky or whether it's Kenny Pickett, I like the Saints' odds, and I'll take them to go 7-3. to three. Um, I think this is a slip-up game for the Saints for some reason. Um, I don't know why, just a gut feeling. I got the Steelers winning on at home uh, to make the Saints go 8-2. and two. All right, now okay. the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams – Come to Caesars Superdome, November 20th. Another noontime kickoff. Uh, the last meeting was in 2019. The Rams won that one 27-9. And, of course, we know that last year the Rams won the Super Bowl. Okay. Rams-Saints, George. So 27-9, that's when Drew Brees hurt his hand? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, look, call me crazy. The Saints are winning this game. You know, they, they've got a thing with the Rams. They've always had a thing with the Rams. Since the old NFC West, you know, the Saints owe them a little payback for the passing interference deal. The Saints will win this game because I don't see where the Rams got better and the Saints have gotten a lot better. So give me the Saints. Yeah, all right. Um, Yes, Breeze tore the ligament in his thumb against them. That came eight months after the NOLA no-call in the NFC Championship game. And don't forget that the Rams blew the lead against the 49ers in last year's regular season finale which led to the Saints missing the playoffs. I hate the Rams. I Very hate true. the Rams. Me too. James, who you got? 
Saints love stepping up in these big time games. I think maybe the Rams have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. So yeah, I'll take the Saints to go eight and three. I got the Saints to go nine and two. Ooh, then they got to go the 27th of November out to the West Coast to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Last meeting, 2020, the Saints won at 27 to 13. In 21, the Niners were 10 and seven, third in the NFC West, but they still made the playoffs. George, Saints at the Niners. Give me the Saints. I mean, who's starting that quarterback for the Niners? Is it Trey uh-huh. Lance? Is it Jimmy G? Uh-huh. We don't know. They don't know. So I, I have no confidence that they're going to be that good. Give me the Saints. I sure hope Debo Samuel is unhappy like James Harden and plays like James Harden <laughs> because poor Harden quit. He's. I, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that real quick. All right, so you like the Saints? Debo got to gain some weight to get to Harden. James, real quick, what do you got? I feel like maybe they they sleep on this one, and I say the 49ers actually take a quick dub. I, I like the 49ers in this one. Saints at Tampa Bay. George, real quick, winner. Saints. Jo- Saints. James. Give me Saints. I got Tampa Bay winning at home. Um, all right. Uh, what? We, all, we all agree the Saints are going to beat the Falcons in the Superdome, right? Yes. Uh, we all agree that one. Yes. Now you got you got back-to-back cold weather games. Uh, Christmas Eve at Cleveland, New Year's Day at Philadelphia. How do you pick those two? Saints beat Cleveland, lose to Philadelphia. All Same right, here. James. Same here. All right. Um, I got two losses in a row. I don't like playing in the cold weather. All right. Uh, We're getting close to it. The last game of the regular season, the Carolina Panthers in the Superdome. Finish off on a high note. Be some dubs like Jameis. Yep, yep. Um, Yeah, Carolina's bad. That's a game to miss if you want to, because by that time, Carolina will be out of it, and the Saints will, uh, you know. Anyway, that's that's a pitiful game. Um, There's three guys, uh, George, I said I wouldn't want on my basketball team. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. I think they all are cancerous. I, I, I just get them out. Get keep them as I don't care how good they are. Keep them away from me. You in agreement? I couldn't agree with you more. I didn't want Ben Simmons here when he's at LSU. Yeah. I'm still mad that we didn't make the tournament. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Um, that's all the time we have. We made our picks. Remember what you did. Write it down and. Uh, We'll 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 see how this all unfolds. George, have a great way and congratulations, uh, college graduate. That's awesome. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Very proud of you, man. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, and you finish strong. I like it. Thank James, you. all right, buddy. Take care, James. We'll be back to wrap up uh, our number two and this show and this week after this final timeout here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Way to go, George Becknell. Way to go. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we got to get out of here. The biggest news of the day, Adam Miller stays with LSU basketball. Jarvis Landry signs with the New Orleans Saints. Wow. If today, Friday the 13th is your birthday, um, May, May 13th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Stevie Wonder, 72 years old. 
Darius Rucker, Hootie and the Blowfish, 51 years old. Dennis Rodman, the worm, 61 years old. Thanks to Bill Frankes, Koki Riley, Larry Holder, George Faust, George McNell, James Mesh. Thanks to all of you for listening, to our partners that make it possible. Have a great weekend, everybody. Come on back Monday, same time, same great stations. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, my friends. Let's be kind to one another. And uh, uh, let's, let's have fun. Let's have fun. Be good. Have a great weekend. So long, everybody. 